You're a mum of three, and you were one of the first Saudi women to climb Everest Base Camp. Yes, that's true. I did climb three years ago. We were a group of 10 Saudi women. It was a breast cancer campaign. So we climbed uh, Everest Base Camp, actually. Uh, it was uh, quite experience. Well, we look forward to hearing more about that experience and maybe what foods you were eating to give you energy along the way. I'm sure dates were part of your packs. And uh, welcoming to the show on our panel this morning, back again. It's always a pleasure to welcome the founder of Balkis Honey. He is the honey man of the UAE and uh, originally from Yemen and uh, grew up in the UK, Riyadh Hamid. How are you doing, love? You all right? Very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Thanks very much. I'm very. I'm just thinking that she climbed Mount Everest. I just can't believe it. <laughs> I just can't. I can't ever imagine kind of doing anything like that. I can't like believe that. it as well. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. God, that's just such a, a feat, isn't it? God, all that way and all yeah. cold and everything and food and not I'll enough of it. And about it. Yeah. Wow. yeah, incredible. And clearly you're a woman with a vision and ambition and uh, just recently opened Hutton, your restaurant in Dubai Marina. And uh, you had a special evening last evening, Iftar. Um, just been open a month. So how's it all going? Um as you know, I'm a new business. It starts slowly and, you know, as people start hearing about it. And um, let's not forget that it's a new cuisine in, in Dubai. It's Saudi and it's Hijazi from the western side uh, region of Saudi Arabia. Uh, this cuisine, um, unfortunately, not a lot known about it. So I feel I had the privilege to, 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 to show the people what Hijazi food is. So um, it's a mission. I feel it's a mission. You know, you know, to educate people, uh, which is, I can't say revive, because it's not even there. Nobody knows about it. So I feel I had the privilege to open this restaurant and tell people, listen, we have a cuisine. It's not only kapsa, <laughs> like what everybody says. <laughs> we have much more than kapsa. So what do you have? What is the Hijazi food? Uh, as you know, uh, a lot of, um, you know what? It's what's so funny when, I, when I, uh, I put down the menu, I realize how much meat we eat. From Medina, as uh, someone from Medina, I realize we don't eat a lot of fish, um, a lot of chicken. It's a lot, a lot about meat. So yeah. a lot of uh, the menu has meat, yeah, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And have all kind of rice, different kind of rice, which is very interesting to try. So tell me what. Tell me first off, what kind of meats do you use? Uh, lamb, of course. Lamb is the main thing we use, uh, and rice, and then... Uh, and the different kinds of rice? Because yeah. you say it's different, and we know lamb, we know rice, so what, yeah. what is the that spices. flavor and taste? Yeah. The spices, like, uh, let's, for instance, Ruskabli, it's w- very well known. It's very interesting, because it has it, uh, potatoes, has orange, it has flowers, and all different kinds of spices, so it's really interesting. Now, you're a fan of this cuisine. I've never tried it before. Uh, so, and you've just recently been in Saudi, Riyadh. So yeah. what would you choose? What would you like from the I juicy mean, food? I, I do love... Um, I mean, we were just talking literally a few minutes ago and, and on the dishes that she's got um, a zurbian, which is uh, kind of uh, from the southern um, region of, of Yemen where they use um, beautiful kind of infused spices and... Um, and and it, it, they use a lot of kind of like spices from India because the Indian influence from from Aden where where there's a, a strong link of, of uh, in those days, um, 
and 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 I love it. It's what it's one of my favorite kind of foods there, zurbia, and it's it's like uh, this a beautiful, intense kind of like spicy potatoes, lamb, all kind of marinated together and cooked. And uh, once it arrives on your plate, you know, it's just kind of magnificent. Mm. <laughs> so something you might have for iftar. What did you have yes. last evening for iftar? Uh, actually, we had the uh, kabli rice since it's one of the top sellers we have. And there's another dish that it's we're very well known, uh, so Hijazi, it's called Aisha Bullaham. It's like kind of a meat pie, uh, which is very nice. Um, so do you use pastry? Uh, it's everything, uh, Hatun Cuisine every, does everything from scratch. Mm. We don't use anything like frozen or... No, but you can make pastry from scratch. Yeah, that's what we do. The dough from scratch and then the meat and everything we do from scratch. Lovely. And uh, I, I did not expect people to like it that much to be honest it's one, one of the top sellers we have oh, I love a good yeah. pie a pie is a pie isn't it a pie is a pie all over the world it's interesting because I was just at the Glastonbury Festival <laughs> and I know very different but pies honestly I was like I'm not having a pie I haven't had a pie in years I live in the Middle East now we don't eat I don't eat pies it's very much you know outdoor living I don't need that heavy food my friend was like I've got to have a pie so okay I had a steak pie oh my goodness it was so lovely it's It's comfort food isn't it absolutely my my wife makes this amazing steak uh, steak and kidney pie and I absolutely love it it's one of my favorites and um it's just so kind of, it's like you said, comfort food. You know, every time you kind of, you, you know, you feel that you want something to kind of, uh, I don't know, just wrap your body up with a duvet, you know, <laughs> and that's food. Food does that. And that's taking kidney pie with a little bit of mashed potatoes and gravy. Ooh, my gosh. <laughs> well, clearly, I don't know if you've been to the UK, but because Riyadh grew up in Yorkshire in the UK, so I get where you get your steak and kidney pie love from. <laughs> yeah. But do you ever, did your mother, did your wife, do you ever sort of add your Yemeni influence to that kind of British fare? She, she, yeah, my mum did, actually. Yeah, I mean, she would, what, what I used to love about my mum's food is that she used to put all kinds of d- different spices in virtually everything. So, you know, when we'd have like um, a roast dinner we'd have the vegetables and we'd have like I mentioned before we used to have like a trio of the potatoes you know like roast potatoes chips and mashed potatoes <laughs> and then you've got this roast meat and, and every time she makes a roast meat she covers it in, in Yemeni spices different varieties of spices so you get that kind of little spicy kind of Yemeni Arab influence every time she made anything and um, yeah, including the, 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 the pies and, and, and whatever. So, uh, you know, we had the kind of the best of both worlds, if you like. You mentioned there the, the comfort and like wrapping yourself up in a big duvet with yeah. a sort of food metaphor. And I know for you, you, you have a, a similar metaphor at Hatton Cuisine in that you feel that after iftar, you must offer them a, du- a, a pillow so that people can lie <laughs> down because they've eaten so well that they feel they need to then sleep after. Is that right? Yeah, I, I keep hearing I'm having a food coma so I said you know what I can have a promotion and g- offer a pillow and a blanket for like 30 minute nap <laughs> I, had, I had some kapsa, um which obviously you know it's yeah. like everybody eats kapsa in Saudi yeah. don't they yeah. and, um, and so when I was there for, for, I was there for 12 days and, and honestly it was rice meat rice meat kapsa. Yeah. it was it's that is so heavy in 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 um y- you know in the carbs you mm. just carbed up to death you mm. know when when with all the different foods and you you know you almost kind of like uh, you need this kind of some fiber you need a lot of fiber because I, I felt that i was kind of depleted and so i made sure that i, I had this um you know suhoor i had um 
you know, a really, really good suhoor that had loads of fiber. And I'll tell you about that when you, when you want me to tell you. <laughs> well, Susanna. we do. We do. And of course, uh, today is about inspiring ideas for suhoor and iftar. And, uh, you know, you are, where are you? Three quarters of the way through Ramadan. We're, we've only got yeah. about nine, nine days left. It's yeah. just amazing. I just, I was here at the beginning. Really? I uh, you two know. days only. Yeah, we've got. No. <laughs> is that how it feels? Oh, I lo- you know, I love it. I love it. honestly. This month is just yeah. amazing. It's so kind of. I get so much peace and tranquility from it. Honestly, just from fasting, and and I think fasting does that. It does. It just kind of. Uh, it just straightens out the crookedness in you you know kind of uh, spirituality wise and so I, I love it I just wish it would continue well interesting because I was going to ask how does it change through the month as the days go by the weeks go by through Ramadan through the fasting process do do you feel yourself change how do you go through this how do you how is the process for you I mean people keep asking me I mean how do you do that I mean it's not really difficult to be honest if you try it one day it's it's you're absolutely fine i mean it's not that difficult it's all mental you know um it's it's how you how you i would think about it it's it's nothing really it's as you said it's very spiritual you know it is is i mean i, I just kind of, in the beginning you're kind of a little bit nervous coming into ramadan because you know you 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 have to kind of you really you got to be on your best behavior everything that you do you say you very got to be very conscious about and you don't want to hurt anybody upset anybody you don't you know you've, you've you kind of there's a mental preparation beforehand and then as as you're kind of moving on and, and, and you're fasting and, and you're getting so your body's just kind of climatizing to this whole fast and and, and your food ch- patterns change you know you're kind of eating at odd times and and you know then there's the um depending on how spiritual you are you've got your kind of the night prayers and stuff that keep you going and then you feel like you want a snack just before a suhoor um so it's it's a very kind of it's it's amazingly spiritual time and, and at the same time it, the 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 food um, you've got to be conscious about it because I I've, I've feel that you've got to get the balance of the right kind of food groups in there because like, coming like I said coming from Saudi you know I'm kind of so carved up that I, I made sure that for suhoor I was really having a lot of fiber and getting that balance and getting the balance yeah and it's really important yeah this is the thing I mean uh, people think uh, Ramadan food just since iftar time till sahur and they don't stop eating this is so wrong yeah. and as you said they don't eat any fiber any fruits any vegetables it's all yeah. about carbs carbs yeah. carbs and sweets of course that's yeah. why everybody oh, gains sweets. a lot of oh, weight my. yeah i'm thank god i'm 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 I've I've been really on good behavior um food wise. I, I if I was going to have like when I have mm. the kebsa or with the the meats and the rice I don't only have a little bit. I try and drink a lot of water, have a lot more salads and stuff. And then when suhoor comes like I make sure that I've got my Weetabix at hand. (laughs) Well, our focus today is on that fruit of paradise that is the date. And of course, incredibly nutritious, incredibly good for us and very much a part of uh, Iftar, breaking the fast with dates and then leading into Eid in the next few days. We're looking towards maybe nine, ten days before Eid. And then, of course, Eid, uh, the dates will be brought out in celebration as gifts to be received. Just a beautiful time of year. And I was really mindful of it coming back having been away for a few days and seeing all of the dates on my road I've got date palms lining my road as I walk my dog in the mornings and seeing so I guess it's you know for everyone that celebrates their festival wherever it is throughout the year there is something that becomes symbolic or makes you think yes and I'm sure for you I feel it and I'm not Muslim but mm. it, you know you see the dates you feel Ramadan you feel Eid so it's a very special no absolutely it's, it's, it's amazing I mean they are amazing 
uh, fruits and and uh, they're so nutritious and you know the there's this you've got that kind of balance of the the carbs you know the the sweetness as well and and there's so many different varieties <coughs> of dates um you know i love i love um, the medina dates uh, the, the ajwa ajwa yes. is is like there's no in my mind there's no other dates like it i mean um, and it only any only only grows in medina in saudi arabia it's only that yeah. area um, even the scientists, I, I knew some, some guys in, in London, they tried to, um, who basically specialize in palm uh, trees, and they tried to cultivate it in, in other areas, and they tried to do it in, um, in greenhouses in the UK and whatever. They couldn't do it. They can't do it anywhere else in the world. So it's specific to Medina, and they're, they're beautiful, kind of like they're smaller, they're, they're very dark, black yeah, almost, with yeah. beautiful silver kind of lines that run through it. And, um, and it's got this kind of deep kind of... Um, like a raisiny caramelly taste which is absolutely delicious and there's even a the, the prophet peace be upon him used to uh, used to eat them and <coughs> there is, there's even uh, you know a narration that you know having seven of these yeah. particular dates will will um you'll be free of um any kind of poison or any kind of uh, magic guess the ingredient this is a spice used as a powerful medicine that has long been used in the Chinese and Indian systems of medicine as an anti-inflammatory agent to treat a wide variety of conditions, including jaundice, toothache, bruises, chest pain and colic. I'm a mystery ingredient. What ingredient am I? And joining Hatun Madani and I at table this morning is Riyadh. And uh, Riyadh Hamid of Balkis Honey, originally from Yemen. He's bringing that fine Yemeni honey to the UAE. He's also co-founder of Bestro and Be Supernatural in Galleries Lafayette. So all about the raw foods there. How's it going? You're doing iftars, right? Yeah, we are. Um, um, we're doing uh, some amazing iftar with this beautiful raw food, Chef Haley. Mac is is amazing. Um, she just manages to make make the food raw food um, just taste like real, like food. Um, you know, sometimes when you have like a vegetarian meal or that's vegan, you just think it's just basically salad. What what they're playing well, at? I had the lasagna. Yeah, and it's raw. What did you think? I'm wonderful. I uh, mean, beautiful. Yeah. And you've got all of the flavors, flavors of that Italian cuisine. Exactly. But all purely raw. And food. it's all o- organic and it's raw. And, and and when you have it, you don't feel kind of guilty. You don't feel heavy. You don't feel weird and bloated. And so you, you kind of eat it um, and, and you think, gosh, this is, I can't believe this raw food that's not being cooked. That's all based on kind of like, you know, kind of nuts or vegetables and fruits. It can, can be cooked. Well, it's not cooked. It's prepared like that. So Chef Haley is, is, uh, does a brilliant job with, uh, with that really kind of, uh, I take my, uh, my shemag off, my rag off my head for a, you know, it's fantastic. Oh, blinking lovely. She's amazing. She really is. So big call out there to Haley, which is lovely. And uh, we're going to get into some news stories. I know you've got an interesting story that you want to share with us this morning, Riyadh. I've got a couple as well. So food news. Food news this morning. This is our take on or our selection, really, on some of the media news when it comes to food around the world. Um, my story, I'll start with mine, if you don't mind, because it's a slightly, uh, well, I don't know if it, well, it is a heavy story in a way. Uh, so is yours too, mm. Riyadh, but let's start with mine. And uh, it's about the Greece debt crisis, which is all over the news, of course, from the financial economic point of view in affecting uh, the globe, but obviously Greece particularly. But, you know, what is Greece known for when it comes to food? It's known for its olive oil. 
From this story is from the UK's independent newspaper. Olive oil supplies threatened as banking system grinds to a halt. So interesting where uh, maybe people don't always think, obviously, how food is affected. But food is economics. Absolutely. It's business. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a commodity, isn't it? It's, um, it's big business. And... Uh, and these, uh, the with uh, what's going on with the olive oil over, over there, and, and everything, all the kind of issues that are going on in Greece now, it's a bit, it's very worrying. You know, it's very worrying because it's so close to home, European country, and and with all this kind of um, messing around and debt and crisis mm. and how it's affecting everyday normal people and agriculture and and farmers and and the fact know. that with with the olive grows, many of them are just small family businesses, yeah, yeah. and uh, there's a fear that the banks will raid the accounts of the small family businesses, the farmers, and so they're refusing to accept large payments to via bank transfers, um, and so people are stocking up the olive oil, they're hiding the olive oil, they're keeping that reserve because as you mm. said it's a commodity yeah and it's and, and to be honest with you I'm, i honestly don't blame them i mean imagine that you're you're slogging your guts out working like anything all of a sudden you've, you've got all your amazing commodity and then you know you make transactions and potentially the government is going to hold your money um you know for no re- no fault of, y- of your own so i'm kind of completely with the farmers and and, and i think it's right cash for oil if uh, we've got the oil if, if you want us to, to to sell it to you then pay us Payers up front, and here's your commodity. Mm. Be interesting to see then how it affects prices and uh, the export of olive oil to the world. Absolutely. I mean, I remember. I think it was last year where there was a huge drought in in Italy with olive oil, and the first thing that the Italians do, they go and buy all the olive oil from from Greece, and they repack it um, as is Italian. And uh, and I know kind of uh, Greek uh, olive oil uh, farmers, um, and. They tell me that that's the first thing that they do, the, the, the Italians, when there's uh, um, uh, you know, a problem with, with the, the drought and, and issues that they've got over there with their olive oil. So um, I'm completely with the, with the farmers, to be honest with you. They, they've worked so hard, and it's their life. Um, and all of a sudden, um, they've come to a, a point where if people want to buy it, then they should you know, put your money on, on the table and, and take your, your oil, not kind of uh, hang around. Well, the country's got half a million olive growers and uh, looking here at, you know, the supplies of olive oil, um, the deliveries, if you look at, uh, say, olive oil being supplied outside, you're looking at single olive oil cargo costs at around 100,000 euros. Um, And they're saying we don't have such sums in cash. That's coming from the chief executive uh, regarding from the banking side. So it's a... a, it's a call to arms when it comes to food. It's a food war in a sense, and with uh, using money, it's economics. Absolutely, and and it's such a shame because it, it's such a rich country of different, um, uh, you know, forms of agriculture. Um, they've got some amazing products um, uh, coming from from Greece, and it's such a, a shame that you know, on a sort of governmental level, there's there's been such a mismanagement. You know, that, and this mismanagement has affected every sort of fabric of society. You know, and um, and, it, and, and it's left people kind of, um, uh, you know, almost, um, you know, in the lurch. They, they don't know where to turn. And, and all of a sudden, whatever money you've got in your bank, potentially, 
you know, you just can't have access to it, which is kind of like quite a scary thing because, mm. you know, kind of money is quite emotional. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if, if you're food's emotional, food money's emotional. Food is emotional. Yeah. Money is yeah. emotional. If, you know, you, if you're going to me- mess with me money, you're messing with me feelings, basically. <laughs> you know. And also it's a health issue as well. Not to do with that story, but when we come back, we'll be sharing uh, more news stories when it comes to food. Riyadh's got a story regarding um, fermented foods and the connection between the gut and the brain. And I'm going to be bringing you a story about chimpanzees who love to cook. That's what we love to do here on the Thursday brunch. We're still talking food, food, food throughout. And uh, that's with my guests this morning on the Thursday brunch as we celebrate Sahur and Iftar, bringing you ideas, recipes. And that is with Hatun Madani, who's just opened her first restaurant in Dubai, Hatun Cuisine in Dubai Marina, specializing in Hijazi-inspired food. She's originally from Saudi Arabia. She's the mother of three children and is one of the first Saudi women to climb to Everest base camps. A real pleasure to have you with us alongside we have the honey man founder of Balkis honey here in the uae fine honey from yemen that is riyadh hamid how many varieties of honey do you have riyadh we've got um we've got about 14 different varieties um when i say kind of varieties some of them we've got kind of like the base honeys which are the same as like the the, the three which is kind of like the summer uh, the Sidr honey, which is the most famous in the Middle East, the Sidr honey, which is amazing from Hadramut, from the mountains over there, in a valley called Dawan, which is um, it's amazing region. It's completely unpolluted. It's fantastic fresh air. You've got loads of date palms and these beautiful Sidr trees. And so it's kind of, uh, so we get the honey from there. It's been, it's an industry that's kind of gone down from generation to generation with families. So it's, it's a cottage industry. And, and the honey is just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm. It's caramelly. It's delicious, you know. What about date, hun- uh, date honey? Well, you know, th- um, I was kind of um, in my research and development kind of area, basically a little part of my kitchen. <laughs> um, the, I'm, I'm testing kind of like with dates where I'm, I'm kind of cutting them up into small kind of pieces and um, infusing them with some cinnamon. Um, and and uh, honestly, it's beautiful. It's really, really good. There's an intensity of kind of burst of sweetness from dates, you know, because it's quite a, it's quite a good, strong little carb um, with that sweetness. It's, it's, uh, it's very nice. So I've got to be careful with finding the right type of honey um, that can balance off th- that kind of sweetness because um, when you've got something that's already really sweet, and then uh, with the dates, so I've got to find a honey that is not too kind of sweet. And mm. I found this one. I've got one honey from the island of Socotra, which is um, off Yemen, and and uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful kind of rich honey. But it's quite there's a, a bitterness to it, and that kind of bitterness, um, there's a bite, uh, mm. and and that helps in infusing, uh, you know, kind of fruits uh, like date with this kind of has an rich kind of sweetness. So. I'm kind of experimenting right now. Yeah. Nice. Interesting, isn't it? And uh, I know for you, Hatun, you've, uh, one of your recipes, and remember we post our recipes up on our website at DubaiI1038.com forward slash Dubai today. And you've got your mocha date shake. Now, we are focusing on dates today. And we're going to get back into some news stories in a moment, but just to share this because Neha's text in to say, date milkshake is a favourite. Soak dates for half an hour, then de-seed and grind with milk and a few cashews. Amazing thick shake do you like the sound of that yeah very much yeah they're on the right lines aren't they in your mm. mocha date shake uh, what does that involve uh, it has uh, chocolate because it's mocha so I uh, coffee ice cream chocolate syrup with dates it's amazing mixture together I mean they always go together 
Anything goes with dates. But sweet, right? There's a lot of sweetness yeah, in yeah. there. Uh, I'm not a uh, sweet person. I don't like sweets a lot, but this is like one shake. It's enough for like a good week. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's really sweet. Would this be something you would have for Sahur or not? No, actually, um, since we, I mean, indulge a lot in iftar, so I try to take it light for Sahur. So it's it's better for me the next day. If I indulge too much in Sahur, uh, I'll, I feel tired the next day. Mm. I feel thirsty and hungry. Believe it or not, so I t- I just take a couple of dates and uh, yogurt, and that's it for my sahur. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. And so, yeah. with iftar breaking fast mm. with dates, and that's the yeah. traditional way. Yes. And it's also it makes sense because of the nutritional yeah. value. If you fasted throughout the day, yeah. this is something very quickly can bring your sugar blood sugar level yeah. up, absolutely, and give you um, some <coughs> not only the nutrition but a refreshment. It, it, you know, it, it's I know that you will drink some water, yeah. but also there is the sort of uh, there is the hydration from a date. Um, then there's the date juice that we see at Iftar. Uh, I something I can't really drink. I have mm. to admit, but it is very popular, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, I don't drink it to be honest with you, but Neither I do. do I. I love um, date molasses. I love date syrup. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh yeah, with legumet <laughs> exactly. That's, uh, I guess we're having it after Iftar today. <laughs> <laughs> I had it yesterday. I had it yesterday. Actually, it was amazing. So, yeah, they, they just really um, date syrup is is beautiful. You can you can have it with so many different things as well. You can substitute it for for you know for for uh, anything that's sweet basically, and it's delicious and it's nutritious and 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 dates, uh, you know it has a lot of the um, rich in minerals and and vitamins and it's also good fiber. You know, um, I remember reading somewhere that the American Society. Um, for cancer that they recommended patients having uh, a lot of dates because um, uh, it has a lot of fiber and it's also a kind of um, anti-cancer as well um, from some of the information that, that's out there so it is they, they are delicious they are very nutritious and um, you know if, if uh, they can make up quite a big percentage of up of your fiber um, if you have a few of them a day and the date palm is the national symbol for Saudi Arabia. And uh, actually, when you're talking about the foods from Saudi Arabia and your particular foods, the Hijazi food from the Western region of Saudi Arabia that you specialize in, um, Neha said, I've never heard about this food before. I really want to try. First, let's get back into some food news stories. Food news. So, Riyadh, your story this morning. Yeah, I was, I was um, read it in The Independent. And um, which was really interesting. I think we found um, a cure for social anxiety. Oh, Susan. really? Uh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and w- what it is, what these scientists basically are saying that they've um, they found that um, that people who eat fermented foods um, have fewer social anxiety symptoms. And fermented foods, as in what? As, as in pickled? kind of like sauerkraut, pickles, kimchi. Um, kind of uh, things that are kind of rich in probiotics basically mm. and so the study was re- uh, conducted at the University of Maryland and published in the Psychi- Psychiatry Research Journal and they found that there's a strong link a very kind of significant link between pickle foods and social um, anxiety that those people who ate pickles and kimchi and sauerkraut those rich kind of probiotic foods uh, found to have reduced symptoms of uh, neuroses basically um, which basically tells you that um, the mind-gut connection is a very powerful 
um, kind of factor in your state of mental well-being. Mm. You know, and 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 in that in that sense, so it's kind of uh, things are tied up. Your mental health basically is tied to your stomach. It's so interesting, isn't it? And and whereas before, and and still, you would think what comes first is the mind, and we were underestimating the power of the gut when it comes to your the function of your body and your health, and here in your mental health. So what it's suggesting is is that it can start in the gut how you are in your health mentally absolutely i mean it's saying that probiotics in in fermented foods are are basically changing the environment in the gut and these changes in the gut in turn have influences in social anxiety and 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 it's 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 fascinating because these microorganisms in the gut can basically influence how you think and how you act because you know if you act a certain way it means that your thinking pattern is like that. Mm, you know, mm. if you think good, you act good. Mm. You know, if you th- think bad, you kind of act bad <laughs> in a way. And this is the link, which is quite surprising. It's saying you need to look at your mental health through your own gut. And what you're talking about with fermented yeah. foods. I mean, are you a fan of fermented foods, Hatun? Um Pickle, milk, pickled foods. And <laughs> I'm going to start serving it in my restaurant. That's it. <laughs> 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 um, what um, what you're saying is very interesting. I mean, honestly, you learn something new every day. This is something I first time I hear. Uh, my daughter is uh, is diabetic, so she had like all kind of problems, and you know, teenage, you know, going with the mood swings and everything. Oh, God, yeah. And then uh, we took her to the doctor, and she said, "Food is the, is the medicine." Mm. And she was like, "How how come?" I mean, she said, "If you um, we can eat regularly mm, and yeah. you know like the right food." And uh, her mood changed, her mm. attitude changed, yeah, yeah. everything, her blood sugar, everything. It was amazing, honestly, mm. amazing. But about the fermented food, is it is it healthy? It is amazingly healthy because what it is is that um, it, it, there's a lot of kind of good bacteria in these in the process of this fermentation. So in the process of of making the the pickles with these vegetables and and they're, they're you know they're in this kind of with salt and vinegar because that's what they're doing, isn't it? Effectively, yeah. it's with salt and vinegar, and it's this whole process of fermentation is creating this amazing good bacteria. These probiotics. It's like a living food, isn't it's it? A living food. It's still exactly. active and it's still working. Yeah. Yep. And when you digest it, it continues to do it, so. Exactly. And that can Edible. Is anything edible? I mean, because I was in Singapore beginning of the year and they served me some uh, fermented tapioca. All right. I couldn't eat it. <laughs> I tried to be nice. I just yeah. couldn't eat it. It was <laughs> so difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I mean, I love sauerkraut. Yeah. I mean, uh, Haley at the raw food uh, restaurant in Lafayette, she, she makes this beautiful kind of like a, uh, a mushroom and, and, and slaw, but it's like a um, coleslaw basically and, and this beautiful portobello mushroom that's kind of been spiced and, and dehydrated but it feels kind of so meaty and on top of it she uses sauerkraut and it's so rich in probiotics she uses a lot of probiotics and a lot of stuff we have an, a nut milk that she makes um, fresh nut milk okay. and, and she uses again a, a probiotic uh, to, to when she's making it and so there's a lot of probiotics that, that um, in raw food and, and, and I think when it does change your mood, there's no doubt. Every time I've had honestly raw food and for two days running, three days running, I feel so different. I feel kind of happier. And I think this is what this research is telling people, that if you want to be happier, if you want to be kind of living more of a fulfilled and and interesting kind of like um, life, then you should think about what you're putting in your gut. You should kind of be eating things that are rich in probiotics in order to give you this ability to, to, to think 
better and more clearly and and feel kind of happier yeah and more confident more confident there's a lot of work and uh research and development happening in this area where food is medicine and it's something we're going to be talking about on tuesday's eye on health coming up next week with dr heather ead who's a naturopath at intelligent health so if you want to find out more about that from the experts on the health side of our food then tune in next tuesday from 10 o'clock we've got to get in Guess the ingredient. A little clue. Clue number two. Um, it's a short one. Short and sweet. It has been used throughout history as a condiment. It's a healing remedy and a textile dye. Many of you have texted in saying clove. I'm afraid it's not clove. And for the person that uh, Neha actually saying, uh, my son is visiting us from India. He's in a... He's, uh, he, he, I would love for him to win this um, so that uh, we've just tried some Ethiopian cuisine. It would be wonderful to try some cuisine from Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, keep guessing then, Neha, because it's not clove, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, here's your clue, number three. It's a native to Indonesia and southern India, where it's been harvested for more than 5,000 years. It has served an important role in many traditional cultures throughout the East, including being a revered member of the Ayurvedic pharmacopoeia. Pharmacopoeia. Ah. <laughs> food news. And the story that I picked out, and this was, you know, oh, should I do this on the food show? Should I do this on the animal house, the pet show on a Monday? Well, here you go. The naked chef. Yeah, chimpanzees can cook and prefer cooked food, according to this study. Now, this is from the UK's Guardian newspaper. Paper. Findings suggest chimpanzees have the intellectual abilities required for cooking, which could have an impact on our view of human evolution. So this is not just that they're in their, you know, in their forest and they start cooking up, but fire and it makes you think of you know how man discovered fire and discovered the need to cook food well this study found that chimpanzees prefer the taste of cooked food and can defer gratification while waiting for it and even choose to hoard raw vegetables if they know they'll have the chance to cook them later on the findings suggest that our earliest ancestors may have developed a taste for roast vegetables and grilled meat earlier than previously thought potentially shifting the timeline for one of the critical transitions in human history how's about that then god can you believe that susan <laughs> isn't that interesting that these little chimps kind of like looking love, loving cooked food i think that with doing the research they're you know today they're showing that if they have a choice of cooked or raw they'll go for the cooked, cooked. but they're also able to hold back whereas we might not we mm. might go i just want it i can smell <clears throat> it i want it i'm going to taste it mm. actually a chimpanzee will wait until it's ready and then we'll eat it so basically they're cleverer than us basically yeah. well that's I feel what, intimidated well, you did <laughs> they might be cooking better than me yeah. <laughs> well I've, I've been fed by a few chimps to be honest with you um, but yeah I mean it's, it's so it's so interesting isn't it that um, this kind of research it really baffles me how they actually get this information and this data it really um, it's so interesting and I, I honestly don't know how how true it is i i, I kind of start to kind of yeah. worry about how valid how real it is and how they did their tests and things oh well like look, you can check it out for yourself the full story but dr jane goodall and she's been on the show i've met her and she's known for her research working with chimpanzees so she started in the 1960s when she was a young woman she went into and studied chimpanzees she really brought the world their world to the human world it was a time when nobody really knew about the chimpanzee and she studied them and what she started to observe and all she had literally was 
was a binoculars and a notepad. And what she observed is that chimpanzees, and this was in the 60s, what she observed was chimpanzees could make their own tools. So there she started to see there was an intelligence mm. far more than we ever realized at that time. And she's gone on to continue her work, uh, not only in conservation, but in the research and understanding of chimpanzees. And it's the scientists with the Jane Goodall Institute that have been um, carrying out this research. And it's showing that, you know, to prepare for food using a cooking device, which is what they did. So for safety reasons, there was a plastic lunchbox with a false bottom, which mm. research is used to transform raw sweet potato placed inside by the chimpanzees into a cooked slice of a similar size. So originally we thought of setting up a camping cooker in their sleeping area, but you, you could imagine there could be some issues there regarding safety. So overall, the apes chose cooked potato nearly 90% of the time. So there you go. You yeah, absolutely. Like, like me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they were given a straight choice, and they were nearly as keen when they had to wait one minute while it, it was cooked. Um, but the research, as we said, they would hold back. The chimps continue to opt for the cooked option 60% of the time when they had to carry the food some distance in order to place it in the oven. Although since then, they often, although they often carried it in their mouths, this mm. was the challenge that they didn't start eating it. Uh, maybe there might be the odd accident here and there, but on the whole, they showed self-control. Around half of the chimps chose to hoard raw potato, setting aside up to 28 slices when they knew they would be presented with the option of cooking it later That's on. fascinating, isn't it? That is really fascinating and it's and it just shows you know the kind of the potential that you know that these animals have, have got and 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 what about all the knowledge that we don't know that you know i mean that's the interest because this opens up a whole kind of like uh, kind of worms now because then you start thinking what well, what about all that's the another animals? species yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> so it's interesting it's so interesting and um you know god yeah well, uh, this isn't what we're going to do. One of our listeners said, simple, stick a microwave in the chimp enclosure. No, we don't want to do that. We do not want to do that. And please do not go home and try with your pet yeah. cooking with the pet. You know, mm. please, it's all about keeping them safe. Yeah. But it's all about, it's just interesting to look at animals and the development and where there may be parallels with human beings, what we can learn from them, or even what we can learn with their own uh, species and development. And yeah, so it's not always about the raw food, and you might not like that, Riyadh. I know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, um, well, what's interesting thing about it is that now I know that I've got something in common with a chimp, a chimpanzee. Now, <laughs> you know, we both love potatoes, kind of cooked potatoes, and uh, they won't like my food. It's <laughs> all, like heavy. Well, well, yours has got, yeah, yours has got <laughs> potatoes with yeah, the rice. Then they yeah, don't like yeah. it. I don't know what they like, whether they like spices in there as well. But but it is really so amazingly interesting. You know, it's, you learn something. Uh, you know, new every day with with uh, you know the, the animal world and the animal kingdom. You know, so it's amazing.